Hey, I wanna thank you so much for joining us today as we continue, actually conclude our series, I Can't Breathe. It's a series that started um, really with watching a video, a video that you've heard about or you maybe have already seen, video of George Floyd, um, basically his life being taken from him. Now something, I can't, I can't speak for anybody else, but when I watched it, something in me like broke. And I've seen tragedies before, I've seen um, bad things before, but something, it was just different for me. And I knew that we were supposed to respond in a way. And I know that that, what happened, it's, there's so many different aspects to what happened um, to George Floyd. And, but we know that something that God wanted to do was highlight the fact that racism is real. And that's in fact how we started this series a couple weeks ago. We looked at the fact that it is real. And then we looked at the fact that God's word is adamant. Like it goes against everything God says in his word. And so we know that racism is real, but yet racism is also wrong. And, and we know that God is calling us not just to talk about it. That's where we're starting. You got to start there, but to do something about it. And that's what this series has all been about is just really highlighting um, what we believe God wants to do. So, but we also know that we need a perspective. We're going to get God's word and you're going to get more of that today, but we need a perspective. And I want to hear a perspective from somebody who has maybe been discriminated against. And I can't say that I ever have been. I, I thought about it and I'm like, the only time I can think of is, you know, one time I went to Vegas with my uh, with my friends and my wife and they wouldn't let me into a nightclub uh, because I had sandals on. So I don't think that was, that's probably not the same thing. Um, had khakis, I looked good, had a nice shirt on, but sandals and whatever. So um, I got in, I have my ways. But anyway, so I have some some a family here today that is gonna bring uh, a perspective to all of us. So Maggie, thank you for being here. Your husband, Jeff, thank you for being here. And Jeff, your mother, Ann, thank you for being here. I'm so excited. I thank you again for being a part of this. This is powerful. So today we're looking specifically at uh, interracial relationships. We're looking at uh, teaching our young generation about what race is or what racism is, teaching the young generation what God talks about. So that's what we're looking at. It's a big deal. This, this message, I'm, I'm really excited about it, but I want to pray for us really quick because we want God all over this. So let me pray for you and us. Father, thank you so much for your word and your truth. Man, you speak to racism. It was, it was prevalent 2,000 years ago and it's still prevalent today. God, you are, you are clear in so many different ways that it goes against the very heart of who you are. So we need to be a church that will not only highlight it, but a church that will give people actionable steps to take to uh, press in and to um, speak up when necessary, to act when necessary, to um, live your will. And your will is that you created all people equal. We know that. And you created all different colors on purpose because that's the beautiful God that you are, a God of variety, a God of uniqueness. And may, But yet we're all equal in your eyes. God, may we understand that. May we start to own that today. God, may your spirit move in the hearts of the people through this message and change us, God, from the inside out. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say amen, amen. and amen. So Jeff and Maggie, I got to tell the story of how we met because it's so fun for me. So um, really sets the tone. It has really nothing to do with the message, but it's a great story. So uh, we moved, Jody and I moved to Omaha uh, three years ago now. So we moved to Omaha to plant a church and uh, we moved into a neighborhood uh, uh, and it had a lot of new neighbors, obviously. So somebody in the neighborhood thought it'd be a good idea to get neighbors together and uh, get to know each other. And I thought, well, that's great. We, we moved here to meet people, to love people, to interact. So it was perfect. Now, maybe your neighborhoods have done that and you there's different things you can do. Sometimes they have little street things. They'll block off the street and have kid games. Other normal neighborhoods will, you know, they'll have like grill outs in the back of someone's yard. Not our neighborhood. Our neighborhood, we get a party bus, we rent a party bus, and then we jump on it as adults and go bar hopping. So anyway, I mean, I thought, when I got home and told Jody that, I'm like, Jody, God has led us here to do, we, we, you know, I just know it. This party bus is of God. I, Jody's like, yes, I'm sure. This is what we're supposed to do. If I'm supposed to get on a keg stand, I will do whatever it takes to reach, I'm kidding, I didn't do that. I can't speak for Jeff though. So anyway, so, um, so we, it was awesome. I mean, we get on this party bus with a bunch of other people in our neighborhood and we start meeting people. And one of the, one, one of the places we stopped, we got out and we started having a conversation with Jeff and Maggie. And we got to meet them and hear how they met and hear some of their story. 
but from from there, it, 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 it time passed, and eventually they would step foot into Meadows Church, and I would get to know them more. We would get to know them more. I am so excited that you get to know them more today, their story, as well as Jeff's mom, Anne. It's I'm just super super excited. So, um, Anne, I just want to start with you. Like you, the, not only is this interracial, it's hard for me to say. I don't know why, but but you and Jim, your husband. I mean, he's a black man. You're obviously white. And uh, so it sounds like you guys met in college, small town college in Nebraska, mm-hmm. in the early 70s? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, I mean, I want to hear your perspective of how that was because um, we'll just speak to that, I guess. Okay. What, what, what kind of tensions did you face um, as an interracial couple back in the early 70s? Um, I can't imagine there was a lot of that a lot of that in the college or I mean you kind of spoke to that a little bit that right. you know Jim and there's just maybe a, a there were only a handful of um, young men that had been recruited as athletes sure. at the college that I went to and they really didn't have anyone to date except for the white girls <laughs> so you know, as long as we were on the college campus um, there wasn't too much of a fuss about it I think a lot of people um, thought that it was a form of rebellion among the white girls that decided to date these young men um, because it was an era where rebellion was pretty prevalent. Uh, There was a lot of racial tension. It was the time of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. versus Malcolm X, who was actually more prevalent in Nebraska. and the Black Panthers and groups like that. Um, And um, also the Vietnam War. Um, So people expected the youth to be rebellious. And then pretty soon when we grew up, we'd straighten up, you know, that was kind of the expectation. But for me, it wasn't rebellion at all. Um, We met, we dated, we fell in love. And so when we decided to marry um, was when I first really started hearing more serious comments with people being concerned about it. I can remember when we were dating, going out into the community of the small town that we lived in and feeling uncomfortable because people would stare at us Mm. but it didn't really nobody ever said anything to us it didn't really hit me too much one time we were in a grocery store and the one of the workers at the store was right behind us and I I said to Jim why is this guy tagging right along because that had never happened to me before and he said, just be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And so we got out of the store and he explained to me, he thinks we're gonna shoplift. Mm-hmm. And I said, why would he think that? <laughs> he says, <"Duh." laughs> No, he says, you know, and I said, well, has that ever happened before? And he said, well, some of, some of my friends at school, they get hungry and you know, they, they were limited on what they could eat at the cafeteria, you know, that was it uh, at, at, in those days and he said, they go out and they get some meat and they stick it in their coat or whatever. And he says maybe they do have a reason for tagging along after uh, after someone. But he says that you know they just see the color and they assume that everybody is doing the same thing. So that was kind of a, uh, an eye opener for me that we had that situation. But when we decided to marry, then I would get comments like. Well, what are you going to do about your children? They're not going to fit in with white people. They're not going to fit in with black people. And uh, Jim and I discussed about whether we should move to a city where there would be um, a greater racial variety so that our kids would feel more comfortable. But uh, interestingly enough, he was the one that wanted to stay in Nebraska and stay in a smaller town because of safety. He mm-hmm. said, you don't understand that in a city, you're not safe. Mm-hmm. Um, in, a, in a place where there's um, you know, racial pockets, there's a lot of turmoil there. And so um, it, was, it was a good decision now, I know. You know at the time, I, I wasn't so sure that that was the best choice, but yeah. it, it was a great decision for us and our family. And um, 
as time passed and our kids did grow up in these small towns, they had a lot of interesting experiences. But I think um, eventually what happened is the other kids in their schools and their friends and people that they became acquainted with knew them as people rather than as a race. And so once that happened, once those friendships developed, then, you know, there really wasn't as much of an issue. There were little isolated pockets of things that cropped up. And we've been, we were very fortunate that our kids were um, rational and they were fairly well liked. And so not only were they able to handle those issues very well, but their friends, stood behind them and handled it pretty well too and i i think that was a great blessing for all of us that is that is awesome you said something um earlier before we even started recording that just kind of blew me away and that you got married in nebraska yes right yes but but jim is from jackson mississippi yes so if you got married here but i mean talk to that because at that time we got married in 1974 in that time, um, it was legal for us to marry in Nebraska. If we would have gone to Mississippi, it would have been illegal. Um, early in our marriage, he had he only had one brother, and his brother uh, died um, suddenly of a brain tumor, and he was in Jackson, Mississippi. I was not able to go to that funeral because Jim said if... Um, if a black man and a white woman were in a car together driving in Mississippi, he would either end up in jail or dead. Wow. So he says it's just not it's not worth the risk. Um, and actually, in his junior year of high school, um, his mother moved to Chicago for safety purposes because that was, I mean, he was a little bit older than I was, so he was really... Uh, in the thick of things in Mississippi when all the racial divisiveness was going on there. And so when we talk today about Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. uh, they're not saying that white lives white lives don't matter. Yeah. What they're saying is there's a whole lot of history of terrorism that has happened uh, to people of color and we're still dealing with it today. It may be a little bit more subtle, but changing people's hearts is where we want to reach. Mm. And it just doesn't happen overnight. Uh, we need to develop some sensitivity. We're not taking away from one group to give to another, but they need to be acknowledged and to, re- and to be recognized and respected as equal human beings. It's time for that to happen. Boy, amen, it's overdue. Boy, you said that well, changing the heart that's what we've been talking about. This is this is this is a heart issue for us, and to think that, and that's not you know the mid '70s wasn't all that long ago, and that's what we're dealing with, and we're still de- dealing with a lot of it today. So, um, wow, thank you, Jeff. You obviously, you guys stayed in Nebraska, a small town, 1,200 people. I grew up in a small town, 1,200 people. Small town, South Dakota. Small town, Nebraska. I was joking. The only difference between my town and your town is. We didn't have any black people, and you had at least three. So, um, so because you, do you have two sisters? Yeah. Yeah, two, you and two sisters. Oh, and of course your dad. So, um, so talk to that growing up. I mean, as a kid, uh, as an adolescent, um, you are one of the few uh, minorities in in a small town, rural Nebraska. Share maybe an experience or two, or a, maybe a story or two about. Uh, I don't know discrimination. If there, if you can think of one offhand, then how it impacted you. <laughs> um, well, I got a burning question first. That Vegas club with your sandals. <laughs> so did you just put socks on? To go, no, or did no. You... I think we complained so much, and we had so many people with us that we finally just, or we, or we gave the guy a hundred bucks and he let us in. I don't even remember, but I, I remember the place was called Rain. I think it was called Rain, and it was some upscale uppity place, and you know. <laughs> They thought they were too good for me, and that ain't gonna fly. So, um, yeah, they, great, great question. You know, I kept the sandals on, and I got in. Dang it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, my mom hit on a few things that I can dive a little deeper in. A couple things that stuck out during um, your statements was, you know, my dad had this 
pocket of friends that moved to the small town and they were athletes, right? And they were known for athletes, so they were given grace due to their athleticism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I can relate to that. I was a, a pretty decent athlete growing up. Um, so that for me provided relatability to those around me, right? Um, and then secondly, she spoke about uh, my peers, my friends I had, how they were always there for me. Yeah. Um, so besides like the first kiss type thing um, in kindergarten, first grade. Uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> you guys didn't? <laughs> So besides that, I never really, uh, you know, took girls serious or anything like that until I was a freshman in in high school. I started dating uh, a girl who was white, um, limited options, (laughs) Uh, and I was really serious. I cared for her. I liked her a lot. you know, we talked about sports. We were both athletes. We were both pretty good at, at this, our individual sports. Um, but after a few months of dating, she found me in the hall and was just sobbing. And I asked her what was going on. You know, did, did something happen? And she couldn't really speak to me and just handed me a, a three-page letter. Um, so our... our time frame between classes is three minutes so you know I rushed the class to get to class and I kind of tucked behind uh, everyone in the back of the classroom and started reading this letter and uh, I realized that she was explaining to me why she couldn't date me anymore and what she got to was the fact that her her father at the time didn't approve of interracial relationships and unfortunately our relationship couldn't continue Mm-hmm. And if it did continue, uh, she would be in, in quite a bit of trouble. Wow. Um, so I didn't really know how to handle it. I didn't really know I was different until until that instance. And that and it's always stuck with me. Even to this day, I, I have trouble walking out in public with Maggie and holding her hand because I don't know what the people who are looking at me are saying or what they're thinking. Um, and it's something I've always had to work on ever since then and it's been a tough hurdle for me to get over what you just said about even the impact that's had on you today yeah. I mean you said two things number one you didn't feel different at all up until a freshman year which I think is great you know that's awesome that it was just but then um, to still carry that today how that many years later of, of that 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 sentiment about not being together not being able to be together we just don't know what a comment will do, what what um, what so- something will do if we say something or how we treat somebody, just how it impacts them. I mean, way beyond maybe what we think it does. So, wow, thanks for getting vulnerable and sharing that. Um, any any other things that stand out to you? Um, the athlete thing too. Your, your your husband's a great athlete. That's what brought him to Nebraska. Jeff, you were an elite athlete in this small town, and you almost wonder. I wonder if you would have been treated differently if you weren't that great athlete. Yeah. That's what I, 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 don't, I don't know. I would, I would hope to say that no, they would have just accepted you. You'd be one of the guys, but um, it seems like that's just another stereotype, right? Yeah. Um, did, you, did you guys have wrestling? Did you wrestle? I did, we had wrestling. You did? I did wrestle from yes, like... she did in junior high. Yeah, so junior high. She I could probably take you in wrestling. I doubt it. I doubt but it too. So <laughs> I was, you were 135 pounds your senior year. I was 135 pounds in sixth grade. Dang. <laughs> That's the way it's going to be, huh? <laughs> so me, senior, I think I think your sixth grade self probably could have took my senior self. I'm just going to say it out loud, okay? I can, I'm can. i going to humble myself. Um, now, I can appreciate that, though, pointing out that, of being an athlete. Because I've been an athlete, you know, for a long time. Well, not anymore. I'm a retired athlete. But <laughs> so high school, you know, I was an athlete. Going on in into college, I was always an athlete. Um, and uh, although my my mother raised me very well, I still managed to run into trouble here and there. And I had some interactions with with the police, both in a small town and in a big town. Oh, okay. And one thing I can say is that all those interactions were appropriate. I didn't have any trouble. Um, I wasn't 
I didn't feel discriminated against. Um, I'm not trying to discount that there there may be some bad apples out there. Yeah. Um, but just as much as I've been put in a box because of my skin color, I think that that can be said across the board for a lot of different things. Police officers, um, religious leaders, so on and so yeah. forth, right? So uh, my mom touched on it very well. It's it's about looking at everyone as an individual and respecting who they are. Right? Man, that's so good. I appreciate you saying that about, because I think right now a lot of police officers are getting kind of a almost a bad rap, like, I mean, it, and it's just, it's it's an individual thing and to hear that you were treated fairly. That's great, that's awesome. You said something, your mom said something about, was it, was it grocery shopping or you were shopping with your husband? You went shopping with a roommate, right? And it made me think of the exact same oh, thing yeah. you told me when you went to Target yeah. and... I never told you this, but I've had uh, a very similar uh, incident between myself and, but this is when I was, in my 20s or so uh, and uh, my buddy about the same age but he was 6'4", 300 pounds, big guy. Um, he was mixed as well but predominantly black. Okay. Um, uh, so him and I were walking in a grocery store going to get our, our groceries for our our dorm room and uh, there was this, this woman who was coming towards us. Uh, she had an empty cart purse was in the top of the cart where the children sit usually and uh somehow for some reason we caught her eye and i happened just to be looking at her and uh when we locked eyes her reaction was to veer away and took her purse out of the top of the shopping cart and tucked it under her arm and kind of just was like i gotta get out of here type Mm -hmm. instance and i was like here we go again, yeah. right type stuff. So yeah, so so some things have changed, but some things haven't, yeah. and that's why we're talking about this because there are things that we that, that we can make a difference in and that we can help change. Thank you for sharing that. That's 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 powerful, um, Maggie. I'm excited for you to be here because you're going to bring a whole d- different dynamic of obviously um, a white gal in an interracial relationship. So. I want to make sure I say it the way I wrote it down, but it's really just a, asking you about a personal experience or experiences that maybe that you've had um, um, from your angle or with you and Jeff. Uh, it might be friends, it might be family, it might be something else, but how have you seen it uh, through your eyes, uh, discrimination or racism? Yeah, um, I definitely haven't noticed probably as much as Jeff has, um, just coming from my background and not experiencing that, I'm not noticing. So um, even Jeff, like holding hands, I took it personal, 100%. It caused fights, didn't it? Yeah. Cause sure. I didn't know. You didn't and know that was the reason. He, no. I think he holds that back from telling me cause he know, I mean, he doesn't want to hurt or make me sad or, you know. So I didn't know that for a long time. Um, I would say the only very obvious instance was that my grandma did not approve um and to me it's just i would say just bizarre nearly i mean she completely disowned her daughter her four grandchildren there and her great-grandchildren because of this and it's like that has to be some deep yeah yeah i'm just gonna say issues with her sure you know i mean sure that's Yeah, that's just something that wasn't even on my radar. I didn't think that that would happen. I didn't realize that people were really even still like that. I was thoroughly embarrassed. Jeff didn't know about it for probably a year and a half. Wow. Um, So we avoided family events. And I know I told you this when we talked. It's like, I wanted to bring him around. I wanted to bring him, parade him around and be like, (laughs) look at him. Like, what do you, you know, I wanted to just like flaunt him. like. I think he's great. I don't understand. I know I'm not perfect when it comes to the whole race topic, but I, he's Jeff, you know, like I don't, I don't see it. So it definitely hurt, um, that my grandma didn't approve, but there was no question that it was going to stop anything. Like, 
um, yeah, that's not what I'm about. That's not how I was raised. So, um, praise God, you were both raised the way that you were raised. Right. That's what I'm hearing in both of you. Kudos to mom and kudos to your parents. Yeah. I mean, look how it's impacted you and how you handle these things. Because that this is why it's so important as we teach our kids and our grandkids and all this kind of thing. So, yeah. 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 And my grandma did end up apologizing. She came to our wedding. Um, but it's it's just a different relationship with her. Sure. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Yep. So that's good. Wow. Yeah. A couple things that you just said there. Number one, the hold hand the hold hand holding thing, you mm -hmm. know? That you took it personally. You're hurting from something from years earlier and it's coming through here and you're hurting because you're thinking it's just here. Yeah. Wow. Um I, so obviously you guys have beautiful, beautiful kids together. I mean, yes, they are beautiful and uh, they are spunky and full of life. And uh, there's a reason they're not in the room is because we, you probably wouldn't hear us. They're, they're rowdy and they're fun, but they're, yeah. they're a lively bunch. Um, so you got Abe, Marlon, your two boys. And then of course, Frankie, your mm -hmm. little, your little girl, 10 month old girl. Um, you know, Jeff, you and I talked, we, we, we both talked about this. Like when people look at a, a mixed race, child like you're mixed race yeah. most people when they glance at you they're going to think okay that's an african-american man or a black man or however you want to say it even though there's even though you told me you're predominantly white if you look at your genetics or whatever right but because it's dominant that's what we see mm -hmm. so i guess let me ask it this way in raising those three beautiful kids of yours how are you going to you know, I guess what fears do you have first of all? We look at the world today and obviously I hope as they get older, the world will, the whole reason we're doing this series is that the world will change and that we will continually grow and learn together and learn how to love each other for the way God sees us. That's what I want, that's what we want. But what fears do you have raising your kids now, your kids being technically mixed race? Um, does that give you fear um, as a parent or does that, how do you navigate that? Do you want me to? So I, I think we probably have different answers just coming from different perspectives. Sure. Um, and this, everything that's, you know, happened the last month or so, whatever it's been, um, has made me think about it differently. Prior to that, it's, I just had probably the same concerns that every parent has, you know? Um, I mean, social media stuff, like all of, I didn't think of my kids as any different, um, just kind of as a group, but then kind of like how Jeff talked about the other day with Abe being darker complected, now I'm like, okay, maybe I have to think about things a little bit differently. Um, so there, there is fear, but I haven't really dived that far deep into it. Sure. Um, um, cool. I know that we'll get there and I'm sure Jeff has you know, um, kind of gone to those places, but I haven't quite gone there yet. Yeah, because Jeff, you'd said it. I mean, Abe is darker complected than the other two. And you even said that, that Frankie and Marlon, I mean, if you didn't know who their parents were, they would just pass for a couple of white kids, yeah. mm -hmm. um, uh, but not, but not uh, Abe. Mm -hmm. So um, anything you want to say into that? <clears throat> you know, I'd have to agree with the Maggie, First is smart answer being her husband. It's <laughs> that's a, <laughs> raised by the best. That's right. There you go, mom. Um, yeah. In all seriousness, it's it starts with 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 me, and and then with Maggie. Is uh, first things first is setting the example. You know, as a as a man, and then especially as a as a black man. Um, and then when you bring children into the mix is, you know, it puts me on my game to always to put my f best foot forward, right? Mm -hmm. um, Got to work on myself and, and my demons, and I do that through seeking the Lord and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and then, it, and then as we drill down into, you know, the prejudice and things like that for having dark skin, um, you know, Abe. Uh, may run into that he may not yeah. like you said or like we talked about Frankie and Marlon I'm not too concerned with uh, just a quick story real quick my sister 
um, married a, a white man and had uh, four kids, uh, one boy, three girls. And so my nephew is, doesn't look black at all. Okay. Um, would you agree? I agree. And, uh, but he has this drive in him to, uh, of equality, right? And he takes this sense of pride of, of having this African culture in him, right? Um, so he, he, he's had some instances where there's been Confederate flags flying in our small town and, and he, uh, took that personally, right? And ended up costing him a little trouble with school because he tore the flag down, um, which I could see where he's coming from, but it wasn't the right thing to do. Um, there's better ways to do it. Uh, you know, you talked about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. I love Martin Luther King. My father um, would always have pictures and quotes of Martin Luther King around. A great man. Um, and with that, I, I will always go on the side of, of nonviolence type, passive resistance type thing. We talked about that, didn't we? I asked about the riots and stuff and what your thoughts were, and you mentioned that, that there's a way to get heard without yeah. having to bust stuff up or break stuff. And, and, and that's what my goal is to start with education with Abe. Um, tell him where we came from and how we got here today. Um, so he has a true, thorough understanding of what he's standing up for. My mom had a great example of, you know, what's going wrong along the nation right now, how people are putting their fists in the air like the Black Panthers used to do. And what does that mean? I said it's, it, it's a symbol, like this was a symbol for black power. It's a, it's a call to violence. Um, and, you know, I, people that are not educated about what the history is behind some of the symbolism. You know, we kind of went through this with your nephew, uh, my grandson, on this Confederate flag thing because the people that were flying the flag had no background at all about what that flag meant. Sure. And I said, well, you've got, to, you've got to make sure that they know what they're doing. And then they have a choice mm-hmm. of whether to continue that. They may not be intending to offend anybody. They just may think it's, oh, Dukes of Hazard, good old boy, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. That's yeah. not what it meant. And that's not why it's offensive. Um, same thing with the black power thing. That was in the 60s and 70s. That was a call to violence. That was very offensive um, to white culture because it was a call to rebel, to revolt, uh, to, kill pe- to kill white people. Um, and so that's not a solution at all. We have to learn to be together as one, not to, you don't build yourself up by tearing somebody else down. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so, yes. Um, and, and when we talked about raising kids, this is the old grandma perspective. I don't think you can ever raise your kids in fear. You have to raise your kids in hope. Um, and, that's and that's what God taught us, mm-hmm. you know, that there are always going to be obstacles. If this obstacle goes away, there will be another mm-hmm. obstacle that we haven't even thought of yet that'll come up. And so we have to teach them the right path and and teach them to have hope and um, to do the right things. Um, and you pray that uh, their lives will turn out for the best. You know, God didn't promise us that things were going to be easy, mm-hmm. but... Um, will gain strength by the by the struggles that we go through if we rely on him so that's what we start with we start with a solid foundation of knowledge education seeking the answer seeking the reason seeking the why um and then base your decisions off of educated education that's so good i love what you said starting with why why are we doing this? Why do I feel this way? Why do I think this way? Am I just following what they say or what they do or what they post? Educate ourselves. Maggie, you talked about the same thing mm-hmm. about, okay, what, how are you going to teach the kids? How are you? And you guys keep talking about education and, mm-hmm. and, and I love God and his word and his principles, but speak to that too. Cause I know that you talk, education is a big deal to you and teaching through that means. So, right. Yeah. Um, 
even just that's when all of this kind of started I was like how do we talk to our children about this um, without scaring them without I mean scarring them I guess yeah. and so that was the first thing I thought I was like books we can buy books and that's that's something I already I do try you know for our kids seeing black people and white people is normal because that's our family yes so Abe will or even Marlon will say Abe you look like dad and I'll say why does Abe look like dad because his face is brown and so for them it's just completely normal they don't they talk about it nonchalant yeah you know it's just an observation like my hair is blonde your hair is brown like you know they just um and so we just want to be able to keep the conversation like that even things as simple as like baby dolls Frankie has not just white baby dolls she has black baby dolls sure. like um, just making it normal. So, I, I does she have that. mixed baby dolls? Well, they're pretty, they're <laughs> mixed looking. <laughs> How would you know? Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's right. We need a, we need a, what is the report? 21 and what is it? Uh, oh, um, uh, I don't know. 23 and me. Yeah, Yeah, we need to do an ancestry.com yes, on dolls. On doll. um, <laughs> wow, this is rich. This is so good. Um, any any final things that any of you want to say? Maggie, I can start with you. I just want to make sure that I give you your like great things. <laughs> so anything that you want to maybe share that we haven't shared yet, just whether it's on children, raising a family, um, interrace, whatever. So yeah, I um, I feel and I'm positive I'm not the only one. It's extremely overwhelming, all the information that's coming at us, what we should be doing, what's right, what's wrong. And being a person um, that wants to bring about change, but doesn't want to offend anybody, um, mm. which we, I mean, it's hard to do. It's impossible to it, do. It is. And so you hear, you should be doing this, and then, but don't be doing that. And you're just like, where do I even go? Like, I don't know where to start. Um, I finished a book recently called Untamed by Glennon Doyle and in there she does have a chapter on racism and she talks about doing the best you can with what you know until you know better and then you'll do better so just starting where you're at okay, say, say, say that again I don't even know if I said it right so I should it say sounded quote, so good I mean <laughs> do your best with what you know until you know better and then you'll do better, you'll do better. it's something like that yep Man, that's good though. That is so good. Right, because it's just starting where you're at and continuing your education, whether that's reading books or talking to people and really just keeping it basic. You know, I know it's not a basic problem. I know it's deep, but even just loving people. Yep. Like, be kind. It's yes. so easy. Just, just starting there. Yeah. You have to start somewhere. It's easy to throw our hands up and say, it's such a big issue. I can't, what right. can I do? Right. Well, you can do what you can do. And if we all did what we could do, the world would be a different right. place. Yes. Oh, and we that's talked, good. And even Ann talked, I mean, about not wanting to offend people. But once you learn something that is offensive, then you just don't do it anymore. You know, yeah. I mean, it's yep. so simple. But again, it's not. It's a, <laughs> not for us. It's not, right. is it? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Jeff, anything that you want to add? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, once again, I agree with, with Maggie on the fact that it's, it really is simple. Um, we've all had our trials. We've all just experienced something. You know, I've experienced racism. I've been poor. I've been in a mixed, blended family. We have done foster care with kids with disabilities and just have gone through a lot and what always got us through it was each other our community our friends um, and just our love for doing what we do right um, so keep it simple ask people ask your first ask yourself why why do I feel this way why do I dislike this person for whatever reason why do I hate this person if you want to feel that strongly about mm -hmm. them? Um, and I think that's, you know, just do your best to learn. Yeah. Always be learning. I, my, my mentor says, you know, leaders are learners. And I think we need, if we ever needed leadership, now is the time. And as leaders, we need to continually learn and educate ourselves. And that's what, again, that's what this series is about. I'm so grateful that God led your family to Meadows and that you're part of Meadows Church in our lives. I mean, this is so valuable to our community and to our church. 
Um, Anne, anything else that you want to add? Well, the only thing I can think of is, I, you know, it's, it's distressing to me when I see people uh, confrontational with each other about issues of race or really any issue at all, because once you start yelling and lecturing, then the other person just shuts down. You're not going to get anywhere like that. Um, I think the, the best way is to approach each other with a forgiving heart and to assume that maybe the other person doesn't know uh, everything that, that about the way that you're taking something or the way that you mean something. I think we have become a nation that's so guarded in how we, you know, we have to worry about how what we say and the tone that we use when we're we're either shouting or we're afraid to say anything. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to hit a medium in there somewhere. But if we rely on what God taught us to love God above all mm-hmm. and to treat each other um, as you would like to be treated, Amen, you Lord. know, it, that's it's so simple. It's not simple to do. But the concept itself is simple. If you have Jesus in your heart, then your intention is going to be to treat everyone in the way that they deserve to be treated. Mm. So, look, I can't, I can't please everyone, right. but it's my responsibility to try, mm-hmm. right? So, well, you, you gotta have give to, the effort. You have to do what's right. Uh-huh. That doesn't mean that all the time. If a person doesn't like you, they they shouldn't like you because of you, not because of what color you are, mm-hmm. and and vice versa. You know, there may be reasons. Maybe they're carrying some baggage too. So that's why I say look at it in a forgiving way. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's more to their story than what you know. But you know, if you're able to sit down and talk, a lot of those and, and get to know each other as people, those things kind of melt away um, in the process of learning who the other person is. That's so good. Relationships. Mm -hmm. That's what Jesus was all about. He's a relational God. You talked about having Christ in us. That is the key. I. uh, You talked about the book resource. We actually, as a church, we we have resources that, um, especially for families. If you want to have these conversations with your family, which we recommend, and your children, uh, you can go to our kids page. Click on our Pinterest page. I mean, I'm still blown away that we have a Pinterest page, but we do. And on there, there's there's something titled um, How to Talk to Your Kids About Racism. And if you click on that, uh, it's going to be there for a long time and you can there's resources all over the place, books and things that you can that you can get to help educate um, yourself and your kids on this. I think education, it keeps coming up every time that we talk to people. Education, love, God, I keep hearing the same things. There's got to be something to this. you know, to, 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 to sum this all up, I think most people, I think most people listening, I think, I think you, you know, if, you, if someone were to ask you, are you a racist? I think most people would say, no, I'm not. And I think most people are right. I don't think most people are that. But I think it goes deeper than that. Um, I wrote it down. See, I can offend people racially and not be a racist. So you can offend people racially and not be a racist. So I think it's really just that, you know, we are really learning and that we are really um, seeking God and that we are really, we, we really think about others before we think or before we act or say something. Um, but I, I, I thought about that statement. I thought like, I wanna be a church that is anti-racism. That's what I want. I don't want to just say I'm not I'm not a racist. I want to be anti-racism. Not only am I not a racist, but I really want to be anti that. And I that really is on my heart right now because you're you're probably not a child abuser. But if you were to walk by somebody and see a child getting abused, you wouldn't just look there and say, "Oh, that's too bad that's happening." But I'm not a child abuser and keep walking. You wouldn't do that. You would say, "Wait a minute, I'm anti-child abuse. That needs to stop." Hey, and you would speak into it, or you would act. You you would do something, and we just can't be silent. Like the, that no longer can happen, right? We we have to be not just. Well, I'm not a racist, so it doesn't impact me. It's bigger than that. You have to say we are anti-racism. That is wrong. That goes against the very heart of God and who He created us to be. And that's what we have to start saying as we speak into things when we see that they're not right. Somebody's telling a joke that's we know isn't right. We say something, or someone's telling a story or being a certain way, and we know it's wrong. That we speak it in love. And if we do that, a lot of people will listen. Some won't, you know. But 
Many will, and we have to do that. That's where it starts is with the conversation and being bold enough. Maggie, you said, it's so big, where do you start? And I love that because it is. We're, it's such an overwhelming topic that's spanning the globe right now. So I, I, wanna, I wanna propose we start in the Word of God. We start with God. That's where we started this series. That's where we end this series is with God. James 2.17, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and not do it. So if I see somebody dealing or being abused, I need to, I need to speak into that. If I see someone uh, being um, discriminated against, I need to say something, I need to do something. That's what we're called to do. We can't just walk idly by and say, ah, oh, that doesn't, I'm not that, so it doesn't impact me. No, 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 it does impact you because we're in this together. Say together. Together, type together in comments. Together is what I need us to, I believe God is saying, we all would agree things in our world need to change. Every one of us. We look at the 2020, things need to change, right? Like, raise your hand, hand raise emoji. Do things need to change? Do things need to change? Yes. Yes, you're, oh, thank sorry. you. See, I just <laughs> Okay, and things need to change. Um, but does everybody have an opinion in that? Yes, and people will share their opinion. But I wrote this down. The world will not be changed by our opinion. The world will not be changed by your opinion. The world will be changed by your experience, okay? By, by, by your example, by what you do. I keep, keep going back to what we do. The world will be changed by your example. Jesus said, you'll know my followers by the way they love. See, it's not, and change doesn't start with what we post. It starts with, I believe, on our knees and how we pray. That's what I believe God is bringing us to right now, that we will be a church that is, that is in prayer, and we'll be a church that believes that that it starts with any kind of any kind of revival, any kind of massive change has always started in prayer when it's of God. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. You might be familiar with it. You might not. God is speaking. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, turn, repent. Turn from your wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will restore their land. Do we need restoration? Yes. Do we need forgiveness? Yes. Do we need God to show up in an amazing way? Yes. He's given us a formula. It starts with seeking him and going to him in prayer. So I have an opportunity for you and for us. We're gonna celebrate communion here together. And I want you to know that we actually do this every Wednesday night as a church. We pray together and communicate together every Wednesday on a Zoom call. And I wanna invite you to be a part. Uh, online pastors right now are dropping in the link that you can click on any Wednesday night at 5.30. It'll be live, we're praying for our community, we're praying for our leaders, we're praying for our government, we're praying for um, lost people, we are praying for all races, we are praying for pe people in general and for God's will to be done. But you want a revival? It starts with prayer. So I invite you to be a part of that and we do communion. It literally takes 15 minutes. 15 minutes to come together in midweek to start a revival in you, in your family, in your community, in your schools, in your children. I'm inviting you to be a part. I want you to be a part of that. I am, we need to pray together. There's power in that. So that that will go out. If you're watching this after the fact and you're not watching this live, you can message us and we will send you that Zoom information so you can get on. So, but we want you, we want to be a, a church of action and prayer is action. Love is action. So we're gonna have communion right now as a family. We are. And I'll pass those down. You can pass those down. And the reason I want to do this is because this is what the early church did constantly is commune together and they were well they were a family and god said god didn't say it he did it he added to the number those that were being saved those that were being changed and we want to see revival like that so jesus he uh in fact I'll, let me go to the word i'll just go right to first corinthians so if you have your, i hope you have your communion communion elements ready it says on the night when he was betrayed the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you go ahead and eat the bread? That's kind of awkward. Jesus kept speaking at the Last Supper, as you, you maybe know it as. As he was speaking to the disciples, he said this. 
He took a cup of wine after supper saying, this is a cup of a new covenant. Do you want something new for 2020? Okay, you don't even need to type it in comments. I already know your answer and you already know my answer. Yes, I wanna see something new for 2020 and you do too. Jesus, he makes all things new. He says, this is the cup of a new covenant between God and the people, an agreement confirmed by my blood, um, which is what this drink represents. He says, do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Go ahead and drink the cup. We want, I want to do that with you every week on Wednesdays. It is powerful when people come together under the umbrella of God and pray together and commune together. The early church did it and they changed the world. I want God to use us to change the world. Is that big and audacious? You better believe it. But we have a big and audacious God, so why would we settle for anything less? Why? I, I don't want to, and you shouldn't either. I close with scripture from the Last Supper. Jesus has the Last Supper with his disciples, and after he does it, he teaches them and he's teaching them in John 17. It says, after Jesus got done saying all these things, he prays. Check this. This is the final prayer that Jesus would ever pray with his disciples, ever, ever before he goes to the cross. The, in moments, in hours, he would die on a cross for you and for me. So what does he pray for? Oh, aren't, aren't, you, aren't you anxious? Don't you wonder? Oh, I bet it's love. Jesus, God is love. Oh, I bet it's faith. We need faith. That's how we're saved. Oh, I bet it's God's grace. God's grace covers a multitude of sins. Oh, I bet it's I bet it's um for peace. He is a God of peace. Let's listen to what Jesus does. After saying these things in, in John 17, 1, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him, Jesus, authority over everyone. Did you just hear that? Jesus Christ has authority over everyone. Did you know that? See, I know you might be freaking out about what you see in the news or on social media or maybe what's going on that's very real in your family. I'm telling you, you can connect to the one who has been given all authority. All authority. You should type that in comments. All authority has been given to Jesus Christ. He doesn't stop there. He gives eternal life to each one of you, to each one you have given to him. In verse three, listen to this. And this is the way to eternal life. Lean in. You want eternity in heaven? Jesus says, to, this is how you get it. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to the earth. To know Jesus, to know God, not just to like read stories about him, not just to hear about him, not just to talk about him, to have a relationship with him. It's got to be a relationship. That's the key. I'm at, do you have that? Do you have that? A relationship and said it, 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 it. Christ in us is the answer to this. Jesus continues. Okay, so Jesus has pray, really prayed for himself. And, and, and now listen to what Jesus says in his closing prayer. Verse 20. I am praying not only for, for him, not only for Jesus, and not only for the disciples, but I also pray for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So now Jesus is praying for us, for you and for me, for those that believe. If you're a believer, Jesus says, I am praying for them. I pray that they will what? be one it's the title of today's message that we would be one don't you think that that's what god wants desperately when he looks at a world so divisive so chaotic so disunified that it breaks the father's heart jesus in his prayer to 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 god his father he's not saying anything else but that they would be one father as you and i are one as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, oh, that they may be in us so that the world would believe you sent me. So Jesus is saying, if they're one, if, 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 if he will love her and she will love him, and I know they're different colors and I know they're different backgrounds and I know that they have a different education level, but if they will be one in love, the Father, that, that everyone will know. Everyone will know, Jesus, that, that that's the love of the Father. He's praying for unity. He's praying for oneness. I have given them glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Listen to the, listen to the last verse. 
I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity. This is what he's praying for, unity. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me, Father, and that you love them as much as you love me. I'll say it again. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. That I, I read it over and over. It's what the word of God says. Jesus said that they will know that you love them, God, as much as you love me. You're telling me the King of King and Lord of Lords, his Father in heaven, God, loves me and you as much as Jesus? He does. That is the love of the Father. That is the love of God. I hope, I hope that hearing that, it should blow you away. That's how much he loves you. What are our action items after all is said and done? Well, of course, I invite you to Wednesday. Join that call. Let us pray with each other and let's watch what God does in that. I pray that we'll continually educate ourselves, of course, in God's word. That has where, that's, that's where it starts, but also with literature and, and great authors that are out there that can teach us about history and teach us about the plight of people and what people have been through because that matters. That matters. The plight of people matters. And lastly, I want to give you an invitation. It's an invitation that I give every week, but it's the most important thing that you'll ever hear. The word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ, after, after he got done praying that, they go to a garden and pray because prayer is powerful. Jesus will get arrested and ultimately crucified on a cross. That was the plan all along. I mean, after sin entered the world. And here's what I know. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Read John 15, you'll see it. But with Christ, all things are possible. And how, how, how we expect change to happen in our world, apart from Jesus, it, it can't. It can't. It won't. That's why Jesus can't just be around us. He has to be in us. Is Jesus in you? How do you have eternal life? A relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the only way it can happen. So I'm going to pray for you. And you can pray these words in your heart. You can pray them out loud at your, in your home. It doesn't matter. But I want to pray for you and then I'll ask you just to choose Jesus. To choose to accept the greatest miracle in history, Jesus Christ, to enter into you and make you new. So just pray these words in your heart if God is leading you to do it. Heavenly Father, man, I messed up. In so many ways, got to get things wrong. If you look at just my life this last week, you know I fall short. You know in my thought life, you know in my secret life, you know in my, in my, in my heart sometimes, you know there is sin by what I do or what I say, God. I'm a sinner and I mess up. I acknowledge that, Father, and I ask for your forgiveness. Right now, I, I, I'm asking that you would make me new. I ask that your son, Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit would enter into me. I ask that you, you take away my sins, cast them like your word says as far as the east is from the west. And God, I accept I accept that Jesus Christ is God's son. I accept that he died on a cross. I accept that he rose from the dead three days later. By the way, he did. The, the, the Lord who was dead on a cross was alive three days later. And God, I believe that greatest miracle in history happened. Because of that, there's hope. And if we ever were a nation or a world that needed hope, it is now. God, enter into me and make me new. I love you. I thank you. And I believe that new life for me starts today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you did that, if you prayed that, man, encourage me and tell me. I want to know because I want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. We want to celebrate. Just type I choose Jesus in comments. Text I choose Jesus to 474747. But, but I, I, it, is the, it is where it begins. Praying the prayer doesn't save you. It's the relationship with Jesus Asking him into your heart, that's what saves you. Back those words up with action. Type them in comments so I can pray for you, so we can pray for you, so that we can walk with you and do whatever we can to help you in this journey. We need each other, don't we? We desperately need each other. You can't do it alone and neither can I. We're to be one with each other. I love you so much. I thank you again for being a part of the message and bringing your experience and your hope and your truth to this. God, I thank you for your truth, the ultimate truth. Thank you so much for what you're doing in the hearts of your people. We believe that if we continually seek God through his word, through his son, Jesus Christ, who makes all things possible, we not only believe it, but we know it. 
The best is truly yet to come. Own that today and start living in that truth. I love you so much and God loves you way more. God bless you. Hey, I wanna thank you so much for watching. Not just this message, but many of you watched the entire three-week series. And, uh, and thank you for, so many of you are sharing. Boy, we're seeing traction on all of our online platforms. It's because of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I encourage you, share this message. We need to get the, the awareness out there. We need to get God's word out there. People need hope, and that's what we're sharing, truth. That's what we're sharing, and you're a part of it. So thank you, man. Take two seconds, share this message. And for those of you that give and invest financially into what God is doing through the ministry, you are making, you're investing in change lives, and it's making an eternal impact. So thank you so much. I love you so much. God loves you more. Have a great week.